into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. The Last Ronin, issue number four. Story by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. Script by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Layouts by Kevin Eastman, with pencils and inks by Asao and Isaac Escarosa, Ben Bishop, and Kevin Eastman. Color assistance by Samuel Plata. Colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. Letters by Sean Lee, with edits by Bobby Kernow. We start off in media res with the Ronin and Casey Marie with their backs against the wall of the Stockman stockade. April, this is Mike. Are you in position yet? Mike! April, come in. Damn it, I told you guys this was a bad idea. She'll be here, says Casey Marie Jones. But if we can take out those tower guns now, maybe me and my crew can circle right and- No, I'm gonna find another way in. Lay down suppression fire and wait for my signal. The Ronin dashes forward immense gunfire from these automated threats. It says, The Last Ronin, Part 4, Blood in the Snow. And drop some smoke. Lots of smoke. He says to Case Marie, but we- Now, Casey! Yes, Sensei, she says to him as her team returns fire. You heard him. Concentrate your fire on the gun towers. Let's see if we can take those bastards out from here, says Casey Marie. All of a sudden, boom, big explosion behind the Ronin as he pulls out his, his tonfa, which he uses to make those electromagnetic pulses. We're pinned down. Gotta find a way in or we're gonna die in this damn beach. Stupid, stupid plan. Here comes the security. Ronan tears through some of these bots that have knives for hands and guns, just blasting at him. We see a uh, close-up of a very burned-up and robotic-looking Baxter Stockman. Don't get cocky, Mike. He's looking at something that says intruder alert. Intruders? Let me guess. More imbecilic thugs looking into junk or pawn? Eliminate them now! A giant mouser robot with a big skull on his face says, Halt! What in the holy hell? Prepare to be eliminated, it says to him. Ronan jumps at him, this time with uh, Leo's sword and with Raph's sigh as he stabs him right in the stomach. All right, you soulless freak. Let's find out if you're just as nasty on the inside. He falls down with a woof and an oof. Then all of a sudden, he reaches out and grabs the Ronan and then falls down upon him. He's saved inexplicably by... Casey Marie Jones, who jumps in after him and kicks off the head of two sentry robots that have come to get him. Don't worry, boss. I've got these two. The Ronin is not pleased with this. He says, I thought I told you to stay put. No, you didn't. Terrible discipline. Excellent initiative. Don't do it again, understood? Yes, Sensei, says Casey Marie, as she picks up the head of one of the robots. Then, a flashback to Casey Marie Jones training in the sewer layer. Her technique's decent. But she's developed some bad habits. As Casey Marie kicks and then knee strikes to a uh, heavy bag. The Ronin stands there watching. As we can see the ghosts of the other turtles, Leonardo, Donatello, and Raphael behind him as they make comments. Be interesting to see what she could do with ten years of real training, says Leonardo. Yeah, well, except we don't got ten years, says Raph. I wonder why she cut her hair, says Donnie. I don't know about her hair, Don, but she's going to be fighting regardless. It's time to find out what she's willing to learn, says the Ronin. <sighs> says Casey Marie, all worn out. Well, besides getting your cardio up, that was just about useless. Whoa, didn't hear you come in. Sneaky ninja, remember? Never fight anyone skilled with that garbage? Hey, I got skills. Never had some ninja master to show me nothing, and I still kick ass all over the city. Okay, show me. Hit me as hard as you can. Now. Wait. What? Says Casey Marie, a little puzzled by the question. 
figures. Nothing but a child pretending to be a warrior. Zeronin turns his back on her. Child? Urgh. Hi! She leads with a jump kick that he quickly dodges out of the way of. Good thing you yelled first or might have completely caught me off guard. Dodge this! With an upward kick. Yawn. Your legs are weak. Slow. But not as slow as your fists. He blocks a leg kick and then grabs her fist with his own and then flips her over head over heels. Which allowed me all the time in the world to do that. I wouldn't get up if I were you. <sighs> yeah, right. <sighs> she smacks the ground in rage. You were warned. As she attempts to punch at him, he slips to the side, grabbing her wrist, knocking it out away. Ah, looks like we have a plan this time. Smacks out her next, her next attack with a side swipe block. White belt quality kick as he blocks a kick. Oh, okay, maybe yellow as she pushes him back a little bit. Nice push. Got anything to back it up? Says the Ronin. I'll show you. She jumps in a Superman punch position. Show me what? How to miss your opponent again? Back to square one. He sneaks up right behind her. Boo! That one works only in the movies or people without training. This is neither. As he blocks another one of her strikes. Wasting energy. Running on fumes. Very tired. Reaching out. With one hand, his right hand, he grabs onto hers and just holds her and puts her into an arm bar and, and drops her right down to the pavement, face first with a wham. You're done. Never. Please, feel free to take this time to think about all that you could have done differently. It's clear that Casey Marie Jones is frustrated at this point, and the Ronin is not giving her any quarter. Take it easy on the bricks. They're pretty old. <laughs> you would know. What was that? Uh, uh, ow, I give. That's not the point to give up. Even the greatest warriors can't punch their way out of every confrontation. Sometimes it pays to be subtle, fluid, elusive, avoiding strikes rather than delivering them. Let your enemy wear themselves out. That way you remain in control. Got it. You've made your point. Are we done here? Yeah, I guess. Wait, no. That's not what I'm saying or trying to say. Look, the point is that I don't know you and you don't know me, but you're practically family and you need a teacher. You have skills and a lot to learn, but too much to learn. And I might be willing to teach you, but it's my way or the highway. No backtalk, no attitude. I tell you what to do and you do it. You got it? Like, seriously, no bull you'll teach me like? Like a real teacher? It's sensei. Right, a sensei. She takes him off guard by giving him a big hug. Right, uh, good, well, uh, we'll, we'll start first thing tomorrow, the ronin says to her. As she runs off. Thank you, Michael. Um, Sensei? Yeah, no problem. Now, um, get a haircut. <laughs> haircut. Yeah, good one. She laughs as she goes away. He face palms. Get a haircut. Seriously? I am such an idiot. Well, I think Splinter would be very proud of you, Sensei. April? Now, how long were you watching? Long enough. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't overstep my bounds. She's a good kid, and I don't want her to get... I mean, I want to help somehow. It's just that... Time is always short. Life is short. And just what you did is more than I could have helped for. Splinter was there for all of us. For everyone. He thought of us in family until the end. Casey Marie's only had me. And I can only do so much. She's tough. like, And she's got her dad's courage and my brains. But she needs a little something more. A place to direct her skills and soothe her anger. Thank you. And just speaking of Splinter, you never finished telling me what happened in Japan, Mikey. I, I need to know. Sorry, I... Still hurts so much, everything does. But your family, you should know. Once the plane landed in Japan, 
we switch over now to the art stylings of of Kevin Eastman, and it's all black and white with gray wash. We hear the story of when the plane landed and Michelangelo is actually walking through the snow in the forest. I ditched the cargo hold and made my way out of the airport without being seen and headed for the countryside into the clan Hamato. I didn't have much to go on, just a crappy map and some stories Master Splinter told us about the clan's village over the years. All I knew for sure was that where I'd find father and Donnie and that I needed to move fast. But the snow was blinding, and after a while I was pretty sure I was completely lost and ready to give up. That's when I saw lights in the distance. It was the first sign of life for miles, and I was praying they could help. Suddenly I was completely surrounded by warriors, samurai from their weapons and their dress. The real deal. I told them who I was, Michelangelo, son of Master Splinter of the clan Hamato. They just grunted and pointed towards the village. The village turned out to be a really massive compound. One of the elders was there waiting for me. I quickly told him who and why I was there. He just stared at me, his eyes seemed like forever before he spoke. I am Master Shincharo of the clan Hamato. Please allow me, we will speak further inside. Inside I asked again, practically begged. Please, where are my father and my brother? I knew from the outburst when outside that all proper decorum Master Splinter had taught us was over the years before, but as I told you before, I was desperate. Master Shinchiro just remained silent, avoiding my eyes. Then he bows his head, holding a cup of tea. There are people, creatures, teachers, warriors, heroes, and legends. Your father, Master Splinter, was all of these. We shift to the stylings of Ben Bishop. The art is a lot more clean, and it's now back returned to color, and we can see that there's a jet about to land in the very same complex the Ronin has come to, with a <laughs> Master Shinjiro, it is good to see you, my old friend. It has been far too long. Do you remember my son, Donatello? Of course. Greetings to you both. I look forward to a long and detailed chat in which we have concluded their business at hand. Splinter introduces Donatello to Master Shinjiro. They both bow. And as they move on to talk, Donatello then continues to bow at all the people that are meeting him behind. Ah, yes, the business of peace. I remain cautiously optimistic regarding young Master Hiroto's sincerity in this long overdue endeavor. As do I, hopeful yet vigilant. Thankfully, our scouts have had no sign of deceits by the Foot Clan. Father, I'd like to radio Leo and the others to let them know we got here okay. Indeed, my son. Perhaps Master Shinjiro can help with that. Certainly. We have a shortwave radios that you can use for that purpose, Donatello. I will make it so. Ah, there's no place on earth with air as sweet as this. I miss it very much. As we miss having you here, Splinter-san. And we will properly celebrate your return home soon, old friend. But first, we have peace talks to attend. Ceremonial garb is now attained, and they have Splinter wearing what's very similar to his, uh, Outfit from the 87 cartoon, Donatello wearing sort of a traditional samurai archer outfit with kind of a bowl uh, head covering, and then traditional samurai garb for Master Shinjiro. I hope Oroko Hiroto chose this location out of ignorance and not out of malice, as they're in a giant cemetery. A resting place for the dead definitely wouldn't be my first choice, says Donatello. Agreed, but as stated, our reconnaissance revealed no Foot Clan deception. Greetings and welcome. I am Ambassador Harada of Foot Clan at your service. Master Hiroto sends his warmest wishes and kindest regards. We assumed the young master would be leading the delegation. 
Yes, an incredible display of bad faith. Oh, no, not at all. Master Hiroto, he's overseeing the final preparations for the grand feast we will enjoy, once the agreement has been confirmed. I'm sure he's on his way here now for the proper greeting and completion of the ceremony. But I noticed you are all armed. That was one of the conditions of the gathering. We are to celebrate peace with no weapons. The man bends over as Splinter kind of looks at him skeptically. I do not recall agreeing to that. Plus, these are merely ceremonial decorations, if you will. Regardless, we shall stand over here until your master arrives, and then we will conclude our business. No, wait, please, let us finalize the terms now before Master Hiroto arrives. After all, are we all not here for the same reason, yes? He side-eyes, looks at Donatello. All of a sudden you see Splinter pop his thumb to take the sword out of his hilt, and he goes, We shall wait. That's a very scared look on this man's face. Please, be reasonable. We, we're humble servants of our master. We only seek peace. As do we. The war has lasted generations. A few more minutes will not matter. Ha! So the prodigal mutant returns. Welcome home, rat. Out of the distance we see a mounted samurai. It's Oroko Hiroto who calls out to Splinter. Or should I say, pitiful deluded fool, how easy it was to get you here, only for you to learn you wasted your life, and that of your disgusting mutant spawn on the thread of false hope. Tell me, rodent, have you heard nothing from your family in New York? <laughs> and with that, one of the coolest scenes I think I've ever seen with Splinter, with a single swipe he takes off the head of two ninjas and the ambassador, with a swoop, hi, Rokoroto. While you still breathe, you will call me Master Splinter. And with a shuck, knocks the, the blood off of his blade and into the snow, raising his arm and somewhat startled. I call you Hellbound, which is where the rest of your revolting family awaits. Grand warriors of the Foot Clan, attack! No mercy, my son, says Splinter to Donatello. Make them pay for their treachery with their blood, says Master Shinjiro. We should have never trusted him. Another Oroku liar, says Donatello. I would not have brought this weapon if I trusted him. And even at their worst, Hiroto's predecessors always acted with honor. Splinter leaping over gravestones as he attends the battle of the ninjas that are attacking him. We see on the next panel that they're running towards him. Let us teach this young upstart what this means. Kill them! Now, very uncharacteristically, we see Donatello actually stabbing his bow staff through someone's eye, so he is serious. Splinter leaps into action. If you choose not to stand aside and allow me access to your master, I will cut my own path. And he does just that with another swick of his blade and a trail of blood. Whick! These guys are really seriously lacking discipline. But not numbers. Splinter-san is right. We do not let your guard down, says Master Shinshiro. Fine, addition by subtraction, then. Donatello knocks another one down on his head. Indeed, says, Sh says Splinter as he cuts through the head dressing of another ninja, decapitating him. Donatello, fighting three at once, ends up getting stabbed in the arms and in the leg. Ah, bastards! Keep pressing forward, my son. Skill will decide the outcome today. Rokoroto looks on. Why is this taking so long, General Oyama? These are our best warriors. 
My lord, please be patient. We have far superior numbers. The battle will be ours. Bah! Shut up, you old fool. To hell with your patience. Bring up the archers. Master Shinjiro! Shenji is down! Leave him. Go! Get the others! Hear me, rat. Heed the last words you will hear ever. Your time is through, as is your family's in New York. As is your family's in New York and here on this battlefield. Everyone you have known and loved, they're all gone, all dead. Then I have nothing less to lose. Come, boy, and face a true warrior. Come meet your ultimate fate at my blade, like your grandfather before you. Father, the archers, maybe we should pull back and regroup. Master Hiroto, wait! Hiroto takes off on his charger down towards Splinter. You wait, General, for my command and unleash my archers. I would see this filthy rodent exterminated, up close and personal. Dismount, man-child. I will have your head. No, Splinter Son. This battle is no longer ours to win. We must retreat and live to fight another day, yells Master Shinchiro. Prepare to die, monsters. As he raises his hand to signal the archers, Oroko Hiroto stands in the way of the, the dawn sunlight. Donatello to the back of Splinter, protecting him as the other ninjas try to attack. No, you will not escape my sword, you treacherous coward. Father, no! Rah! Archers, fire! For my family! Splinter lets loose with his sword as he throws it, and it shoom! right into the shoulder of Hiroko Hiroto, right between his clavicle and his shoulder blade. Father, behind me! Ah, my son! As they're being peppered with these falling arrows as they fall down. Splinter! No! Both sides seem to suffer casualties. Reinforcements! Clan Hamato! Rain hell! General Oyama comes in on his charger and takes the wounded master, Hiroko Hiroto, out, who is just removing the splinter sword from his shoulder. Master Hiroto, with me, quickly. Unhand me, Oyama! The armor took the brunt of the strike. I will gut the rodent with his own <coughs> sword. The rat is finished, master, and so is this battle. There's arrows flying everywhere and spears. Foot, retreat! Back to hearing Master Shinshiro, as we see just the battlefield, just full of arrows. There are people. Creatures, teachers, warriors, heroes, and legend. Your father, Master Splinter, was all of these. As we see a arrow-laden uh, bowstaff that's uh, just on the ground, and some sad-looking people who are looking on upon the corpses, which they do not show, but we're led to believe that Splinter and Donatello did not make it. Back to the stylings of Kevin Eastman. As was your brother Donatello, we could not save them Michelangelo, I am truly sorry. And so, I had my answers. I came seeking the last of my family, only to find out all that was left. There were ashes, my brother's blood-stained bow staff, and my father's journal. I was too late, and now I was alone. Master Shinshiro offered to let me stay there with the clan. But since seeing all the brave warriors surrounding me only reminded me of everything I'd lost, it was just too much to handle. So I respectfully declined the kind invitation and turned towards the mountains, and I started walking. Picture of Michelangelo wearing some mountaineering gear, and he's got Donnie's bow staff and Leo's sword, and some goggles on as he climbs up the mountain. Back to the original book stylings of the uh, Escarosa brothers, as the Ronin talks to April. 
as the last of my kind, a ronin. That was when I decided that the feud must end. Then I would follow Father's journal, train, and complete the mission that we were intended from birth. All Oroku must perish. If I had known you were alive, it might have been different. But the mission would still be the same. I'm sorry. April responds with a tear in her eye. So we can see her mechanical hand as she wipes it away. Don't, Mikey, please. There's no way you could have known. And the rest, I understand what needs to be done. You're here now, and that's what counts. Just the way that Casey Maria has taken you, it's just so amazing to watch. I never thought she'd be able to connect with someone the way that she has with you. Are you sure about that? Seems like our connection is by design. Your design? What are you saying? When were you going to tell me about Casey's extra abilities, April? Why would you keep that away from me? I wasn't keeping it away, not exactly. You didn't inject her, did you? Hell no! I think you know me better than that. I would never do that to my child. I've run thousands of tests since she was born, looking for the origin. And as far as I can tell, trace amounts of mutagen DNA were passed on to her from her birth parents, who happened to have been nearly lifelong exposed to them for the company they kept. What? Seriously? Us? We contaminated all of you? Uh, you didn't know. We all didn't know. Look, she's basically normal in all other aspects except for strength and speed in her healing ability, all of which is increased with age, which is why I wanted samples of your blood. Does she know? She's aware she's different, but I haven't told her everything. Not yet, at least, but soon. Until then, I need you to keep it between us, okay? Yeah, sure. Our secret. Thank you. Now, I need to get some food in me and some gallons of caffeine. Come on, we'll talk more in the kitchen. I have some friends coming over that I want you to meet. Friends? What friends? The Ronin holds a picture, and it's a picture of Roosevelt Island. You're serious? Not only does Stockman have his own fortress on this, but he's got his own island? Yeah, Roosevelt Island. It's in the East River, I'm sure I mentioned that. No, you didn't. I would have remembered that. <sighs> Go on, Commander Avalone. Okay, we have rafts and cloaking devices to get squads into position. Only the island shoreline completely unseen. And we have years of surveillance. He has security, but it's fairly limited. I honestly believe that he thinks no one would be crazy enough to mount a serious attack. Back to present, and we have people getting shot up as Ronan and Casey Marie Jones are taking on the gunfire. Still trying to get those tower guns down. Everyone stay down! Keep firing on those gun towers. Stockman's got every damn inch of this speech zeroed in on. Yeah, we're sitting ducks if we don't get moving. What's the plan now, Sensei? Back to Stockman. Alert, your highness. There are dozens of life forms converging on the security wall. I suggest you... Bah! Annoying flies. Nothing more than useless thugs. My guardians will deal with them. Back to the meeting. Doesn't matter if Stockman thinks it's serious or not. We don't know what kind of soldiers or weapons he has to repel an attack. And what if he calls in Hiroto's whole army of idiots? April says, Trust me, there's no love lost between Stockman and Hiroto. They both consider each other annoying necessities to their sick schemes. Stockman's only going to have to ask the Foot Clan for help on a last resort, even then. Which should be the time we need to take control of the situation. Once the teams are on the beach, they'll lay down suppression fire from various key positions so Stockman won't know which direction the real threat's coming from. We have our own direct communication system set up, so we'll be able to keep our tight with all of our movements, as the rest of the plan comes together. We've got nothing but static. We're working blind. We got this, Sensei. Everyone knows their objectives. Right, you're, you're right. Listen up. 
The main doors are too heavily armored, and our second objective's a hundred yards that way. Follow Casey and throw everything you have co into covering fire. Let's roll, says Casey Marie. Back to the meeting. At this point, we should clear to blow the main doors on the south side and the smaller ones on the northeast and west sides. Back to the battle. Since we have completely overwhelmed by exterior guards or any remaining robot defenses. There's too many of them. Pull back for a cleaner line of fire with heavier weapons. There's no way we can take out all these doors. Back to the meeting. The gun tower's knocked out, the key door's blown, half of each squad will be ready to go through the doors while the rest will head over the top. If there are any difficulties with the doors, the secondary wall breach options here and here. He shows on the map. Back to the fight we see the Ronin talking to Casey Marie. Damn it, we've lost too many into those tower guns. We're running out of options. What should we do? Spread out and keep the suppression fire going. I'm gonna deal with those guns and then we'll find another way in. Let me come with you. No. You need to protect and guide your crew, and keep trying to reach your mother. He throws his grappling hook, and he latches onto the side, and then climbs up. We see the secondary team is now dropping out in what look like uh, flying squirrel suits. With all teams inside, the compound at this point, the Striker Airborne Squad will drop in and support all the ground teams, as well as making sure that we've cut enough of the power systems in order to repel a counterattack while we complete Phase 2. Mrs. Jones will pick up the briefing from here. Damn it, airborne sitting ducks for these remaining gun towers. Stupid attack plan, stupid, as he creeps up on one of the guns. Then, with a jumping flip overwards, he cuts off the gun barrels with a fell swoop of the remnants of Leo's sword. This should help to keep them on the ground. Now to figure out where to keep this from becoming a complete massacre. As he jumps away, not looking at the explosion behind him, and he descends down into the courtyard. Get down into the courtyard and take your positions, he says to the flying squirrels. Back to the meeting with April, who points out to some plans. With everything knocked out and Commanders Avalone and Zargotha laid out, I'll be rolling through with the main gates in our AFV, heading straight for the largest generator. We're going to need all available power to reactivate the fugitoid, which should enable us to talk directly to Professor Honeycutt, accessing Stockman's network. And then we take full control from there. Back to the floating robot, talking to the uh, cyborg body of Baxter Stockman. Your Majesty, I respectfully request you reconsider heading to the security alert. If you would, just look at your monitors, you... Yes, yes, I see. A bit more going on out there than I thought. Damage to several sentries and gun towers. Not a bunch of scraps to sell, as I suspected. I wonder if Hiroto's put on his big boy pants this morning and is trying a power play. Bah. Fire up and send out all the mousers, and that will put an end to this foolishness. Clearly, he just is not taking it as seriously as he should. And let me get back to my work in peace. Flash over to Oroko Hiroto, who sits at a computer screen. Master Hiroto, we are receiving multiple reports of gunfire and explosions from Roosevelt Island. Crazy old Baxter. Maybe he'll blow himself up this time. Leave me, I'm working. Wait. On second thought, send a squad over there and make sure he's not blowing himself up. At least then I'll know his tech is secured. Back to the meeting. Since Stockman's designated and built all of Hiroto's systems for the Foot Army, I'm confident we can find a backdoor to everything and finally take back this city. And if we can't wake Honeycutt up, plan B is we blow up as much place as we can on our way out and start the fight all over again the day after. I don't like it. Back to the Turtles' ghosts. This is so not good, bro, says Raph. He's right. Too many variables, says Don. Yeah, it stinks. 
but it's not like they're going to attack with or without you, and I can't let them die. Back to the sky where they see all the mousers have been unleashed, the very same that made a huge explosion that killed Casey and Leo. Mousers! A lot of them. This is all the explosives that made it. Ready? Fire in the hole! There's too many of them. Can't stop and EMP all of them. It's do or die time, April. He hits an EMP that takes out a good portion of them. Crap. Not enough. Come on, Mom. Where the hell are you? What the? Just then with a kablam. April, with her AFV, bursts through the wall. Look who I found! Again, April busts through the wall. Sorry, I got hung up across the river. I got stuck on the bottom. By the way, did I ever tell you how much I freaking hate mousers? With that, she lets out a humongous electromagnetic pulse that fries all of them. Eyes are popping out and they just fall to the ground dead. Get in. We're going inside. I hacked in long enough to locate the mainframe we need to get Honeycut in there. No, you open the door and we'll be right behind you. Casey, follow your mom tight and with the team and I'll take the rear. I want to make sure there's no other surprises out there. All right, but hurry, Hiroto's got to be hip to us now. Clock's ticking. Blam, 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 blam. They blast their way through one of the doors in the AFV, and then head in. My readings are off the charts. The main power source and the mainframe are right through here. Blam. Let's go get Professor Honeycutt. April blasts through to the control room where we see the cybernetic stockman. Who the hell? Stop them! April reaches out and grabs the head of Honeycutt. We have a world to change. We've only got one shot to do this. And she grabs this, and then she hooks him up to the mainframe, just adding the power to him. Just need to make space, and in you go. Now, lots of power. Honeycut, here. Fire everything. Kill them all, says Stockman. But bring me that robot head. All of a sudden, April is shot back with an electrical shock as we see sparks flying everywhere as Honeycut's starting on. Come on, Professor, you've been in the dark too long. They're going to kill us if you don't. Oof! Stockman's throwing everything he has at us. Watch your back. Come on, Honeycut. It's now or never. What do you think you're doing? Saving the world. But first, this is for my husband. April punches Stockman what's left of his face with her mechanical hand with a crack. Damned woman. I nearly felt that as he backsplats her just as she goes flying to the ground. I'll finish you all momentarily. But not until I secure my prize. You shall not pass, says Honeycutt. What did you say? You shall not pass! No, stop! Both are engulfed with golden lightning that's just shooting out from them. You shall pay, says Honeycutt, for my family, for my friends, for everything. As we see Baxter Stockman, who's just seen to disincorporate, all of the metal components that have been keeping him alive seem to be pulling off of him on his body. And then he disintegrates, and we see it. Very similar to, if you've ever read Watchmen, what happens there with a... And then, both he and Honeycutt are no more. Goodbye, Zayden Honeycutt. Thank you, as April says. It looks like there's a cloud of buzzing nanites that just kind of start buzzing around this control area. And we see the Ronin, and we see April and Casey Marie Jones. Everything's powering down, says Casey Marie. Baxter's dead. The nanobite swarm Honeycutt is now in control now. I'm getting word that it's happening all over the compound. And starting to affect the city, too. Halt! The robot soldiers are... You're not going to believe this, Linda. Everything's shutting down, even the foot cops, says one random person outside. 
This is impossible. I have control over the power grid and all the stopgats all over the system. Get Stockman on the line right now. We no longer have a communication with the island, Master Hiroto. We've been blocked out of his systems, a virus of some kind. Everything is offline. Sound a full tactical alert. I want everyone and everything with a weapon in this tower now. And I want Stockman standing in front of me within the hour. Back to the streets where we see that there are riots taking place. Looks like two people were beating on uh, some of the, the cops. For rock bottom! Hiroto's next, the bum! Whoa, says Casey Marie as she looks on to all this with the Ronin. I think we won. The battle, not the war, says April. And not at a price I'm willing to pay anymore, says the Ronin as he sheaths his blade. To be continued. And that's the end of Last Ronin, issue number four. It's pizza time. And now, in a segment that we call Pizza Time, where we discuss any Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle or pizza-related food, I give you Pizza Time. Today's Pizza Time is any herb pesto, one of the components of some of these dishes that we haven't even talked about yet. This one makes about one cup. Pesto is usually made with basil, but it's just as good with any other fresh, leafy herb. Try parsley, chives, mint, arugula, or even kale for a mix. If you don't have Raft's super sharp side to chop up the leaves, use a food processor and that'll have to do. Ingredients. Three cups roughly packed fresh leafy herbs or greens. Again, could be parsley, chives, mint, arugula, kale, or basil. I've used spinach before too. One, one fourth cup of pine nuts, chopped almonds, walnuts, pistachios, or any other nut you like. Three quarters cup freshly grated Parmesan cheese. One large clove garlic. One and one half teaspoons of freshly squeezed lemon juice. One eighth teaspoon of fine sea salt. One fourth cup extra virgin olive oil. Instructions. In a food processor, pulse the ingredients except for the oil until well combined and finely chopped. Step two. Using the motor running, stream in the oil and process until smooth. Step three. Taste and add more salt and or lemon juice as desired. But if you're using the pesto for pizza, be careful not to salt it too much. As it cooks on the pizza, the flavors will intensify. My suggestion is also to roast the pine nuts. Take the pine nuts and put them in a frying pan on low to medium heat and just uh, roast them up and that will give you a brand new dimension of flavor. This has been your pizza time today. Any herb pesto. Cowabunga, dudes! Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, Mirage Studios, IDW Studios, Archie Comics, or Nickelodeon Studios. This podcast is a member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Check out thedorkening.com for other podcasts. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper and Eric Will. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved.
It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, the bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons. I don't know. Help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a samoplage. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retrodoctopus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retrodoctopus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar Podcast Networks with new episodes every technical Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome.